through the white noise. But that's the same. If you had no game, even before COVID, even when there was less people, now that there's more people, you're still going to have no game because yep. the LinkedIn algorithm is very specific. Welcome to The Point of View Show. My name is Andrew Tran. I'm your host. This show highlights business professionals in Asia and around the world to get an understanding on what makes them effective, how they do it, and advice to help you grow in leadership, branding, marketing, and sales. For more information, head over to my website, www.andrewtran.asia. Before we get into it, smash that subscribe button and click notifications, whether or not you're listening or watching this. It helps me a ton and it helps other like-minded people find these episodes a lot easier. Now, let's get on with the show. My next guest is Jess Hatono. She is a B2B LinkedIn lead specialist, entrepreneur, business coach, having years of experience working both in agency and client-side organizations. Based in Bali, but growing up in Brisbane before taking her talents down to Sydney, Jess is now honing her skills and helping various startups, entrepreneurs, coaches, and direct sellers improve their presence and reach. This was an interesting chat with Jess because I was really interested in exploring the B2B sales angle using LinkedIn as the main kind of tool to push and and attract and create that presence online um, for that kind of six and seven figure type of sales. So it was really interesting kind of chatting to her about it, getting, getting her thoughts around that and also providing some tips and advice for others who are looking to improve their presence, improve their sales coming through on this platform as well. So without further ado, give it up for Jess Hatton. Jess, how are you? Yeah, good, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me. No, it's all good. It's all good. Hey, so for anyone who's watching or listening today, today we've got Jess uh, Hatono, and she is a LinkedIn B2B sales specialist. She is a gun and you know, coming along with this theme of sales, I wanted to kind of wrap it up with talking to Jess a little bit about what she's kind of doing at the moment and, uh, and essentially some of the things that she's working on as well in, in terms of kind of like a sales perspective and, and getting the mindset around that. So just really quickly, Jess, like, you know, how did you get into consulting and, uh, and coaching in the first place and why Bali of all places? <laughs> that's a lot of questions <laughs> all right i'll answer <laughs> right, which one do you want first i guess the how'd, how'd you get into consulting yeah how do you get into this okay so um i started off in sydney hence the asian aussie accent same thing as, as you we, we both established our roots from queensland but i spent about 12 years in sydney and i started uh, my first uh, marketing agency essentially in in sydney and i was doing uh from branding from websites and that kind of thing and i and i had some experience back end in terms of um doing video production creative direction my background before that was actually in sales and i studied law and business the asian route you know asian oldest lawyer doctor accountant you know as we established so but um i from that i started doing uh, marketing campaigns. And I guess my superpower in doing that from a lot of marketers is because I had a background in sales, I could see what was missing in terms of doing marketing for someone and where it was not hitting the mark in terms of the sales outcome, right? Because you have so many stories and experiences where people have had such a bad experience with their marketing that, you know, it's like, oh, it was a scam. We did lead generation. We didn't get the results we wanted. And I personally feel the challenge with that is sometimes understanding that segue because is it a marketing problem or is it a sales problem or is it a client problem? And it could be the company's, like the marketing company's problem as well. And that's really what I felt uh, was missing. So 
uh, that was one of the, the biggest thing I was able to bring to the table. And that was probably my driver for why we pivoted into doing uh, just LinkedIn marketing, where we were able to provide an end to end solution and do the marketing, but also segue that through and really have a look at the client's uh, offline sales process. And does that marry up with the online efforts? Are we able to segue that through? Is there a system and a conversion and other metrics that are in place? So they are getting a return on investment and more plus plus on their marketing and it doesn't just become a cost center. So that's uh, that's how I got into it in a nutshell and I was really passionate around, you know, I want that when we work with a client that I want to make sure that they're getting not only a return on investment, but it's a long-term relationship because, you know, as you know, Andrew, when you work with a new business, our work is so... Um, it's so front loaded, the amount of time to onboard, get to know someone, really get entrenched in what they do, the USP, that is some time. So whether you're running a campaign, a small campaign, a large campaign, I feel that when you get that involved with a client and their marketing, there's no shortcuts around that time. And it's it's a lot of our work is really done in that uh, that face-to-face -face relationship building time. So we want to keep our clients for a long time. And in, in marketing, the only way you can do that is to make sure they're getting sales from your marketing efforts. So, yep. Uh, and Bali. So that's the second question. Why Bali? <laughs> so you can imagine my parents' disappointment because, as you know, I'm Indonesian, uh, and and you know I was born in Jakarta, um, migrated to Australia when I was two. I'm what they call uh, a banana, like yellow on the outside but white on the inside, right? And so my parents fought really hard to get us all migrated over to Australia. So you can imagine my parents' utter disappointment when I told them five years ago that I'm moving back to the mothership and I'm going to reside in Bali. It's like, what? We should have just left you there. You know, not quite boat people, but like in the neighborhood. So um, for me, I, I know a lot of digital nomads and entrepreneurs have a very similar story. It was, it was pretty much the, the stress materialistic versus spiritual crises. You know, I was working in corporate, uh, didn't love what I was doing. It, the, the money was great. I was living right in, um, right in Ultimo, walking distance to Star City, Casino, uh, I think all Asians kind of like to gamble. That's really true where I would spend my weekends. I saved no money when I was living that close. And on the outside, things are looking great. You know, I had the, the car, I had uh, the handbags, the uh, really great position. I got promoted within six months, but I just was so miserable. And um, I thought corp corporate was the problem. You know, it's, it's, it's the job. I, I'm not made for this. You know, I'm going to go and do my own thing. So I quit. I did the, the, um, the old balls and no brain and quit without a safety net, which I do not recommend to anybody. And it was tough. Uh, and, and essentially people were like, yeah, that's a pretty cliche story. You hit burnout, going to start your own gig. But then here's the second part. After starting my business, I hit the exact same brick wall. And I was like, wait a minute, corporate's not the problem this time. I'm the common denominator. I am the problem. And that's because I, it's like, I never learned how to manage myself and my time. And I hit burnout, even running my own business. So got to the point and I was like, what am I even doing this for? You know, I'm working so hard. I'm working even harder, longer hours, getting the least paid. And I don't have time to do the things that I want to do. What was the whole point of even starting my own business? So uh, post burnout, came on a holiday, came to Bali and I would have been in my um, late twenties then. And I was like, oh my God, this is the reason why I said I wanted to start my business for freedom. I want time to do these things, to, you know, to go scuba diving, to travel, to do all this stuff. I'm like, I think I'm the saddest person. I, I was in my late twenties. I'm like the oldest person that I know that probably has never backpacked. You know, all the kids do that stuff and they're like 18 and 19. And I'm like auntie spinster. I don't think they'd legally even let me go on the tour groups. I'm pretty sure I exceeded the cutoff of like most of those <laughs> tour groups. But 
I, I did go in one where it was age appropriate. I was like literally me and another person, everyone else was like 18, 19. And so I was one of those people that came to Bali and was like, I wonder if I could do what I'm doing and, and completely pivot and turn that to a complete digital model online. Because, hey, I'm in online marketing. I'm in digital marketing. I probably don't even need to be face-to-face and in the same office. We, you know, we spend a lot of time sitting stuck in Sydney traffic, driving to here, driving to there, paying a bomb for parking and expenses when, you know, do we really need that? So I tested that for seven months, traveled, and I kid you not, I worked a quarter of the time and I literally made four times more money. It, it, I do not know how it happened. Uh, and we did lose some clients along the way. Some people say, oh, so you're in where? Okay, Asia, or you're, I was like traveling all through Southeast Asia. When are you back? Oh, let me know when you're back in Sydney and we'll talk. And we did lose some clients, but the ones that got it, were the ones that was our sweet spot. And they're the ones that we end up keeping as clients and working uh, long-term with. And then I sort of, um, you know, at the moment with COVID, we got a whole bunch of Aussies that are stuck here and, and they can't go back home. That was that was me like five years ago, but I'm not complaining, so. That route kind of sounds like a, a mini kind of four-hour week, kind of Timothy Ferris type of moment. But I totally get you uh, living in Sydney as well for like 12 years as well. So for anyone who's watching or listening, uh, Ultimo is is like a stone's throw away of like downtown um, of Sydney. Like you can literally walk over this like small little bridge and you're basically in downtown Sydney, which is so it's in terms of proximity, it's really, really close. In terms of rent, it's really expensive. I mean, Sydney is one of the most expensive cities to live in in general in the world. Right. Um, right. So yeah, so 100%, I totally, totally get you uh, with what you're having. So uh, moving along, like uh, like the yeah. theme of today, obviously with with, you know, want to understand that six, seven figure like deals, how you kind of close them from a B2B perspective using LinkedIn. Um, you know, very first kind of question I've kind of been asking through this series is what is your selling style? Give me some context around that question. So what are some of the examples? Yeah. So, I mean, like, how do you, how would you go about, you know, selling, uh, like your product or service? Would you, you know, some people like to go down the, the like needs based analysis and kind of go through, a particular process around it. Some people like to kind of go through a little bit more casual, like get to know you and then, you know, and then kind of understand your needs through there. Um, so, so some people kind of go through like more of a clinical route and then others kind of go through more of a kind of, not wouldn't say blase, but just more of an organic kind of conversational route. Right. Right. I guess. So, okay. There's like two ways that I could answer that in terms of LinkedIn and then in terms of my personal selling style, because I'm not quite sure which one you're, so I guess I'll give you both. (laughs) You can roll with the answer that sticks. Uh, With what we do on LinkedIn, we are B2B and we're usually high ticket. So that means we help clients that uh, have, that are get us their managed service providers or they've got usually services, but sometimes products that are more than say $10,000 more than they're worth more than ten thousand dollars uh per annum so it could be a subscription-based model so that would be more than like a thousand bucks per month or it could be even deals with um large companies enterprise deals which are worth over one hundred fifty thousand, which is one of our, our clients and we helped him close that deal within like 30 days of going live so you got to understand that we're limited in that sense when you're talking just about linkedin marketing and this is a little bit different to uh with if you're talking to me about selling style in terms of marketing when we're doing the websites and the branding but i'm guessing this is pertaining to what we're doing now right so with that it is b2b and the thing with b2b before linkedin and before we were doing what we're doing these guys would pretty much rely on the word of mouth referrals and introductions so our selling style in a sense you know is defined by relationships 
And that is the same thing on LinkedIn. So that's the first and foremost thing. So our model, and I'm not saying that's the only way, it's just that we don't really do e-com, we don't do B2C, uh, we don't do just sort of the purpose of branding. We really focus, and that is our niche and sweet spot, is that high ticket B2B. And all B2B, and all the guys which will tell you that sell B2B, it's all about relationships. It's all about having what we call a H2H, human to human connection first, because uh, before people were selling digitally or online, the analog or the street way would be you go to a networking event or you'd know someone and be like, you know what, go and speak to so-and-so if you need help with this or so-and-so hooked me up. And that's how people sell, especially in the B2B. It's, it's such a close niche because that trust is already there. And often with, with, with a lot of these things, it's not a straightforward, like an e-com style purchase. You know, you really need to build that, that trust and that relationship. So that's the first thing. And that really, I guess, is the arch of the umbrella around the selling style. And then when you get on a call, uh, if you're talking more around sales soft skills with like getting on the call, um, we, in terms of our client avatar, we've got three types of client avatar and I, will, and I will adjust my style according to who I'm speaking to. So if you follow like the different personality types and things like that, like if you're gonna ask me around, do we do spin selling? I really don't have, um, I, I really don't really have a lot of content in that space to comment on that all i know is i've taken what works offline and i've just converted that same strategy digitally and it's all based on relationship it's never a just uh, okay so you're my ideal prospect here's my pitch it's never going to work like that it's never that kind of thing our whole process is around dedicated around what would that relationship look like organically offline because you know what we might meet we might chat oh hey you do this yeah i've seen this oh my god we should chat we should catch up for coffee let's exchange notes yeah for sure we'll set up a time it's like okay we need to set up another time and talk about this. Well, maybe we could work together. It's that kind of thing, which is based on really relationship and getting to know someone. Uh, so I don't know if that really answers your question. No, no, it, it does. Uh, I like how you kind of use like, hey, I've got different like archetypes in a sense um, that you, you use yeah. or different avatars that you use. It's, it's really similar to a previous guest that I was kind of talking about. He's, he's um, an expert when it comes to communication um, and mastery around that. And he talks about uh, vocal archetypes and, displaying those vocal archetypes in order to get the message across or get the story across um, in order to affect yeah. and, and change um, and get, you know, particular action that you kind of want. So yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and that's really, really useful. Um, you know, you talk about obviously your bread and butter is like that kind of LinkedIn marketing. Um, how has it changed over the last maybe couple of years? Has it, has it changed a little bit in terms of the approach? With, absolutely. It's yeah? completely transformed. Yeah, absolutely. So you got to think of like, so LinkedIn's been around. We were doing, um, you know, we've been doing LinkedIn and outbound since about 2012. But where, but you got to realize the, where the social media platforms are now, they're sort of like almost in competition with each other and they're becoming more aggressive in terms of wanting the user to be uh, using the platform more ex exclusively, like, you know, uh, from having videos to stories and this feature and that feature. So it is overwhelming. And I can honestly tell you straight out, even from a marketing company where we live and breathe this stuff and we do this, like, this is all we do. It's overwhelming. We've had to niche down. We come coming from being a, um, uh, an all-in-one marketing agency where we would do social media management and we would literally do uh, content for clients on you know, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, LinkedIn, sometimes YouTube. Now there are like agencies which are just dedicated to one platform. Like you will get just influencer Instagram agencies because, and this is even from us from marketing as a marketing company where we've had to be like, oh my God, how do we keep up with all this stuff? The requirements, the algorithm, how do you be optimized? So you can imagine for a business owner, it's next level. 
you know, like they've got, they've got to run their own business. They've got to do sales. And if they're an entrepreneur and they're across all the functions, and then on top of that, you're like, Hey, by the way, uh, you've got to have an omni-channel approach and be like across five marketing channels on your social media to be social. It is overwhelming. So we've had to niche down and focus on LinkedIn as a special specialty and LinkedIn has changed. Imagine where Facebook was in like 2009 even. So it's almost like people are like, oh my God, LinkedIn, you can, you can find, you know, high quality prospects and B2B leads from LinkedIn. Uh, and LinkedIn's like really hungry for video content now. And the, the thing with that is you can have an influencer and viral presence on LinkedIn organically compared to like uh, where Facebook was like now, if you set up a, a business page or an influencer page, no, it's going to, no one's going to see that. It's going to be like tumbleweeds and crickets unless you're boosting it or you've got paid traffic going to it. Right. Yep. Uh, even like, even on the company page where people follow, like my, even my friends and family who will just support whatever I put up and aren't, aren't, nef- aren't ever going to be my buyers, but they're going to be supportive brand ambassadors. Uh, they don't even see the content I put up on on like my Facebook business page, for instance. It is so oversaturated. So LinkedIn, that game has definitely changed. It's it's now growing. You've got about 660 million active users on LinkedIn, uh, but very few people are actually utilizing the platform and doing content or doing video or let alone know how to do the whole gamut where they do that and then convert that into actually uh, offline sales leads. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you find though with like, given what's happening with COVID and a lot of people working from yeah. home and, you know, jobs are being cut left, right, and center. So there's a lot more people, I guess, in the, in the marketplace uh, for looking for a job right. and they're going, and they've traditionally been using LinkedIn as a way to kind of essentially use their CV. Do you find though yeah, right. uh, lately the, the organic kind of reach of certain posts from a, from a LinkedIn perspective has kind of slowed down a little bit because there's just been more people on the platform? No. It's it's not slowed down, but it depends on your technique. A very few people actually know how to optimize a LinkedIn algorithm. It it's actually there's more people on it. There's more people willing to engage. It's like a funny thing. We run a campaign. I always get asked the exact same question around the last quarter of the year and the first quarter. What happens during Christmas? What are you still going to run the campaign? You know, when when we run a a LinkedIn campaign, and usually we go. We're obviously not going to be sending out meeting requests and asking people to catch up because they're Christmas and all that stuff. But I'll tell you what, we still run the campaign and we still do content because we see a massive shift and increase in our connection acceptance rate and profile views because people are at home. They have no choice, but they're forced to engage online. If you look at where we've been the last, uh, the last few months, you know, how much time are you spending now on Zoom calls? This is, this is the bulk of what I, I've obviously doing, doing for a while and pre-COVID, but just if you look at what we've been uh, when we're forced at home, we still need to connect. We still need to build those relationships. So they have no choice but to do that online and we go digital. So it's quite the contrary. It's literally from COVID that we pivoted to go full LinkedIn and we've been so crazy busy because everyone's like, oh my God, I've got to get online. I've got no choice now. I've got to go digital. I've got to build my brand. I've got to get in front of my prospects and find them off LinkedIn and then get them on uh, Zoom. So it's actually been busier and better, but it means you also need to have strategy so you can cut through the white noise. But that's the same. If you had no game, even before COVID, even when there's less people, now that there's more people, you're still going to have no game because yep. the LinkedIn algorithm is very specific. Yeah. So uh, for, for anyone's kind of watching or listening at home and, and kind of, I guess, looking for tips uh, around it, like you mentioned, like there's, there's a way to kind of, I guess, 
uh, be a lot more sensitive to, to the algorithm to kind of make it work in your favor. Is there, I know there's a million things you can do. Is there like probably one or two things that, that you kind of know yeah. off the top of your head? Yeah. That you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So first thing to understand is the audience and how people consume the link, uh, LinkedIn as a platform. You can't be, you can't be putting up content the same that you would on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube to LinkedIn. Um, that's the first thing. And I'll tell you what, Back when I was doing social styling in 2012, you kind of couldn't. People were like, oh, I'll just, I'll just chuck that in buffer, my blog, whatever, and I'll just back that in my LinkedIn feed. And, that's, and you could get away with it. And that's literally what we were doing in campaigns. You cannot do that now. Number one, it will work against you in terms of LinkedIn algorithm because LinkedIn wants you, people to stay on the platform and they want you to, they'll view you as valuable when you create content that is consumed by people that are using the LinkedIn platform. So the minute you're sending them to somewhere else, to a different location, uh, that's considered like taboo. LinkedIn will automatically uh, cap your, your reach and exposure that way. The second thing is you got to understand that people do not consume and actively use LinkedIn like they do Facebook or Instagram. Like you know, we're not going to be constantly um, scrolling on our newsfeed. If you look at if you look at the Instagram platform, it's almost like a virtual website plus plus in one like on the screen of your phone, you can fit so much information. You can scroll through and, and see the content that person put up last month, last year, and the year before. And it, uh, in terms of the user experience, it's, it's created in that way. Same thing with Facebook. You've got a playlist for your videos. You've got to understand that LinkedIn, it's called what we call a newsfeed game. So content on LinkedIn lasts about um, 48 to maximum usually 72 hours. No one's really going to scroll through and watch what you posted last year. The second thing you've got to understand is that LinkedIn is still a, usually a, a very professional demographic. It's still viewed as like the corporate businessy social media platform, right? People typically use that. Uh, they jump on LinkedIn between the hours of about 10 to 4 p.m. Uh, it's peak, peak times is Monday to Thursday, Tuesday to Thursday at the hottest times. It's not the kind of thing where you'd be sitting on the bus stop on the train and you're going to uh, scroll through and, and watch that funny video. It's, people don't quite yet consume it in that way. It's more that thing and say, I'm going to log on, open my email. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to check out, check out my LinkedIn or I might just have a quick squeeze if I'm on the bus. Uh, so the average person still uses LinkedIn about two hours per week, which is less than 20 minutes per day. So what does that mean to you for you as the influencer or the person putting out content? If you're putting out a video that's like you know, three to five minutes long, anyone that doesn't know you is, very, is unlikely they're going to sit there and watch uh, that video. They're not going to go there and watch like you know, what you did last weekend or that, that cutesy puppy video. That's still not the way we feel about LinkedIn. Uh, lastly, I'll just end on a lot of people that view LinkedIn and that view video, they still like to read. It's kind of like a bit more of a, uh, a professional and intelligent demographic. So long form content does really well. And if you do videos and you want to catch people's attention, headlines, 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 as well as um, subtitles, having transcriptions in there because you still want people to engage and that's going to support you in the algorithm. By engage, I mean giving you um, likes, comments, resharing, to your content and you don't want to miss out on that because your video is too long or because there's no subtitles to your video because someone doesn't have audio because oftentimes if they're viewing it during work hours and they can't listen to your video you still want them to engage and be part of the conversation that's actually really cool advice uh, when it comes to videos and, and adding that long form i've been seeing your content and and many of our kind of mutual connections as well kind of adopting those same strategies that you're using as well um, just really quickly before we wrap up to the last question, like when it comes to video, sure. is there a sweet spot? Like, is it less than a minute, minute and a half or something like yeah. in your kind of stats? What, what do you see? 
absolutely. Uh, test, test the market, test your audience. Uh, so if you're, in terms of your, your uh, content, if you're in a growth strategy, that means you're trying to boost up your followers, you wanna have slightly generalist content. Don't make the mistake of being too niched in your content. Yeah, you gotta be niched in your uh, vertical, your client avatar and your copy, but in the content spread, and Andrew, if, you're, if you follow my content, you'll notice that I'll do a mix. I'll do stuff on like LinkedIn, sales, something funny, haha, something about Bali, a little bit about personal development, entrepreneurship. There's a, there's a reason why I'm doing that. It's because it's a, it's a growth strategy. More people uh, will engage. And I want that because I want, you know, LinkedIn algorithm, like, hey, Jess is providing awesome content. People love this stuff, even though most of the people and most of my brand ambassadors will never be buyers. So that is our strategy in the beginning. In terms of video, always test it. So definitely under 60 seconds because the shorter, uh, the snappier and having a progress bar is important. But sometimes we do up to two to three minutes. So always test it. But when you start off, go 60 to 90 minutes first as a rule of thumb and then test other topics and test other lengths. Definitely. For anyone who's watching and listening, I'll put those in the show notes below as well. Um, wrapping up, final question. I asked a lot of my guests yeah. this question. If you had to kind of you know, consult uh, for a small business or, or particular salesperson in terms of upping their game from a you know, high-end ticket sales uh, type of product or service, what kind of tips can you provide them? So the number one thing, I guess, is uh, depending, like get on LinkedIn, you know, get like get on LinkedIn, because even if you don't have a great website, if somebody searches your name or your website, LinkedIn will come up, up, up there, number one, two or three spot. So uh, make sure you have your presence locked in, you know, like have, a, have your company uh, page set up, have your uh, profile optimized, even if you don't want an outbound or an active strategy at least do the 101 and get your pages uh, optimized the second thing is make it easy for people to work out what you do on linkedin and if you are using it for people to find what you do and you're not looking to find to be headhunted for a job so if you're if you're using it to be uh, in terms of recruitment it's different so again you're asking me from a you want to attract business to you then you gotta populate your presence uh, on, on LinkedIn, different to as though you were wanting to appeal to headhunters. So very basic stuff, like in the headline, don't actually write your headline. If I'm like CEO, founder, that means nothing to you compared to, you know, I, I help B2B businesses or consultants close six to, six, six to seven figure deals through LinkedIn marketing. So if you're looking for me and I'm like CEO of JD Leads Online, you're like, what is that? I don't, what do I care? You know, what value does that add to you as someone that's, that's scrolling really quickly? So optimize your headline so it speaks directly to your client avatar. Create your profile. You've got like 2,000 characters. You don't have a whole lot of space in that, right? It's not like what you'd have on, on your Instagram page. So get into that conversation to cut through the white noise and be like 90% focused on your client avatar. Step into the conversation that they would be having in their mind when they're looking for your products and services. Speak their language and focus on their literal problems. Identify who they are, how they're feeling in terms of their pain points, what do they want to achieve, and then and then one or two lines around how do you help and make a difference, what are the transformations or the solutions that, that you provide. Just three to five bullet points, keep the language really uh, really simple and accessible, no inside language. And then what's your call to action uh, and some social proof and testimonials. Don't make the number one uh, mistake I see a lot of people make on LinkedIn, which is they focus uh, too heavily on this is what they do. This is how they go about it. This is their features and benefits. And then maybe some social proof, you know, because you're going to sound, if you do that, you're going to sound like everybody else that offers your products and service. Yeah. So go directly and focus on your client avatar. And nice. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm, I'm pumped. So for anyone that's watching and listening, that's like, God damn, I want to do this. Like Jess, where do I go? 
how do they find you? Sure, just uh, on LinkedIn, of course. So just, I think as an, on, uh, there's just Ash Hattori. I'm sure you'll put, you'll yep. tag me in somewhere on this post. Yeah, okay. yeah, just, uh, yeah, definitely be on LinkedIn and connect Great. with me there. And uh, check out our content. We share like heaps of really cool videos. And yeah, feel free to ask a question. We'll always comment back. Great, great. Thank you so much, Jess. And for everyone's watching and listening, thank you so much. And I'll see you on the next show.